You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Well, if you're looking for the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, you found it. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we have Aaron Blasey. He hosts The Fall Podcast, another uh, really popular deer hunting podcast, and I don't think I've ever had him on the podcast before. I just said podcast like eight times in two minutes or two, two 20 seconds. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Good, good podcast today. Fun podcast today. Let me just kind of break down what we talk about. We break, we break down getting in arguments uh, with our wives, when to run and when to fight. Uh, we talk about turkey hunting. We talk about mushroom hunting. We talk about deer hunting. We talk about out-of-state hunts. We talk about uh, Aaron's favorite uh, states to hunt. We talk about how Michigan is not a shit state, uh, aside from what other people may think. Uh, he feels that Michigan is a really, really... Uh, awesome state to hunt in and uh i really don't know what to say it's an awesome awesome podcast do me a favor um comment on social if you like this podcast or not uh go and give uh, aaron aaron's podcast a listen as well it's really good i told this in a recent episode i told the story of shipwreck uh a buck that i had chased for four or five years several years ago and uh, he was, I hit him high at about uh, 22 yards, completely broadside, and he was about 220 inches. So he was a giant, and maybe 210, 210 inches. Uh, he was a complete giant of a, of a whitetail. Long story short, it didn't happen, but I tell the whole story. Uh, One Giant Mistake is the name of it, Shipwreck Edition. And uh, that's over there on the Fall Podcast, so go check that out. Uh, huge shout out for, uh, to Aaron for taking time out of his day to hop on and do this. Uh, just a really good conversation, man. Uh, love, I love having the shoot from the hip type conversations with guys. Love these types of BS uh, session episodes. But before we get into today's episode, we do have to. Uh, my air conditioner just kicked on, so you can hear that in the background. But I'm too lazy and tired to go shut it off. So we're going to run through the commercials right over top of the air conditioner. Uh, if you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. Tethered had a, has a ton of not only all the equipment that you need, saddles, platforms, uh, climbing sticks, saddle hunting accessories. They also have a vast library of educational uh, content for you to make you a better saddle hunter. So go check out Tethered. Uh, Wasp Archery, in my opinion, some of the best heads on the market. Uh, uh, from a design uh, perspective, 
from a materials perspective. Uh, just an overall great company. I have a lot of confidence in their uh, in their uh, products. Majority of their heads are still made in America, so that's a, a big plus. And uh, wasparchery.com. I have a discount code for 20% off, and that is NFC20 for 20% off. Next on the list is Hunt Stand. Man, lately I've been uh, daydreaming about Kansas. And so Kansas has, uh, I, I just applied, and I'm not sure when they actually draw or not, when I'll, when I'll draw, but I applied for my first ever Kansas whitetail hunt. And so I'm, I'm kind of getting anxious and excited to see if I, I drew that tag or not. And so I've been on hunt stand. I've been sweeping the, you know, the units for public land that I, that I applied for and just looking for access routes, looking for, long story short, collecting information. And that's what, uh, that's what Hunt Stand is all about, just being able to journal and document everything that you see in the, uh, in the woods and on the landscape and use that to help you kill deer, period. So HuntStand.com, go check it out. Last but not least, Vortex Optics. If you're looking for the gold standard in optics, and the gold standard now in, in a lifestyle brand really is what it is. Not only do they have optics, but they have everything you need really as far as clothing and apparel are concerned. I mean, and it's good, high quality t-shirts, hoodies, hats, a new rain jacket, you name it, they got it. Uh, go check out uh, the Vortex apparel line. On top of that, we have uh, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, binoculars, range finders, vortexoptics.com. Go check them out. That's going to do it. I think that's it. That's it. I am, uh, dude, I'm, I'm jacked for this episode. I'm jacked that you're all here. Love you all. Be safe. Go to, uh, make sure you go check out all of the podcasts on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. And uh, have a good weekend. Three, two, one. All right, on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast today, Mr. Aaron Blasey from the Fall Podcast. How you doing, man? Good. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, turkey or no? Yes, turkey. We're well. Okay. Uh, yes. Not until about three days before turkey season starts. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. not something I leave. You know, wait, lay awake in bed at night. You know, got to get out and 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 hunt, but. We start, uh, it would be April 22nd this year. So about April 18th, 19th, I'll, I'll really start getting into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the same with me. Um, I, in, in the, here, I'll say this, man, in the past, I have been the guy who could give a shit less, right? Deer period. That's it. Yep. And then, uh, turkey hunting was just something to do because shed hunting was over and the antlers haven't started growing yet. And so, uh, I, this year, something changed though. I am, I got fired up and maybe it was because <laughs> like my daughter, I, I took her out. The gobbles were going crazy. We had a good stretch of, you know, really good weather. And, uh, I had the, uh, everything just worked out yesterday on, on the Tom that I shot yesterday. And so I, and maybe it's, I'm just a fair weather Turkey hunter, a fair weather fan. And, uh, yeah. And so I didn't know where, where do you kind of lie in all of that? 
You know, when I was in high school, it's literally in the springtime, my high school football coach was, I was his teacher's aide. And first period, he had like his first period was he didn't have any kids. It was his like comp hour, whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it. My best friend and I, he, my best friend, he had a teacher's aide as well that, that first hour of the day. And, uh, he didn't, that guy didn't have a class either. So they were one of our, both of them were our coaches. So what they would let us do is as long as we'd get to school by second bell, they'd let us go turkey hunting, whatever morning we wanted. So that's kind of how we, and we went turkey hunting every morning. So it was a big thing, like growing up and shot a lot of birds. And then I got to the point where I'm like, when I was in college, I'm like, I want to shoot one with a, with a bow. So I went on a stretch for like eight years shooting with a bow. And then I'm like, I want to go with a gun now. And then I shot him in the face with a gun. And now I'm back. My daughter's five years old now. And, you know, she wants to get out and, and hear the turkeys gobbling. And, and I want her to, to experience that. So now it's like I'm ready to get her out and experience that. And it's almost kind of rejuvenated a little bit mm-hmm. more. Like I lost the love of it a little bit just because I'm like, eh it's turkey hunting you know it is what it is life got busy got married family and stuff like that now it's like she's getting to the age where she can do it with me now it's like okay let's do it again like i'm excited about it yeah and i think that's kind of where my it's making my daughter excited so therefore i'm excited and then that carried over into and even though we weren't successful in the uh in the youth season we got really close but that kind of carried over in, into me going out. Cause I, I mean, I wanted to sleep in real bad that day and I didn't want to get <laughs> up, but I did. And I got up and I, I went and I got lucky and I just basically one flew out of the tree. I called and, and then I shot it. And do you have any, like, because I don't take it that serious and because I did find success this year, man, I have some hardcore Turkey hunters that are, you know, everybody is like, hey, congratulations, you shot this turkey. But I don't know, do you have some guys who, maybe there's a, an outdoor activity that you find success in but don't take it too serious, and then you find that success, and they're just like, oh, man, well, you know, uh, you didn't, that's, you know, you got lucky, or it, it must be nice to yeah. do this and this. Yeah, and, and honestly, turkey hunting is for some odd reason turkey hunting i feel like people take it even to the extremes over deer hunting yeah i have that feeling because there's so many there's so many different ways to kill a turkey and it's to one guy it's always the wrong way like you know with with hunting them out of a blind like deer hunting them i actually enjoy trying to get in front of them with a roost or going back to roost because in michigan we can hunt them all day yeah so like i like setting up a blind you know kind of getting between their roost or a strut zone or something like that setting decoys out and just experiencing the outdoors you know whatever just and i like to do roost hunts with a gun like i like all different facets i love about turkey hunting that you can hunt them so many different ways but yes to answer your question there are like the purest guys that are just like dude like you just you just bought your license yesterday didn't even pattern your shotgun and you go out (laughs) and kill one out of the roost it's like Sorry, you know. <laughs> I patterned it last year when I shot my last yeah. turkey in the face with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah. I. I don't know. I got some. I got some buddies who are pretty serious, and and. Uh, uh, but I will tell you this: me going out and killing a turkey yesterday, 
and putting meat in the freezer and doing the whole going through the whole process again and it just being a a, a perfect day uh, a perfect uh, sit you know I got lucky in where they were located and how I was able to sneak in real close to them and and, and catch them where I caught them and uh, it, it definitely did give me a little boost about wanting to find more time uh, in upcoming years to continue to go do it. Yeah. Can you guys kill two birds in Iowa or no? Yes. So you can kill, I believe this is how it works. You can do a, a first, second, or third season tag, and then they have a fourth season where I think you can also get another tag. But by then, I mean, it's so green and they're they're pretty much done doing what they're doing and so it's it's mm-hmm. pretty hard to get to get at them but it's not impossible so uh um i don't know uh we can we can get two and then in the fall we can shoot them too uh if we have a okay. a tag there too so but i've never i've never tried doing any of that stuff um i got to ask this question cuz it's on my mind you know we always talk about this work work home balance with guys like us who are serious hunters we we try to spend a, a lot of time in the woods or go on trips every single year and i like and the reason i'm asking this question straight up is because i've i've had i've had a recent argument with my wife and uh and long story short I, actually i'll just tell you exactly what it was uh so in our house, it's not traditional, right? We don't live in this traditional house where the the woman does the cooking and cleaning, right? The men goes out and makes the money, and we like that's long gone, right? She has a full time job. I do this full time. Uh, we both are responsible for laundry and and cleaning and cooking, and we take turns based off of each other's schedule. And so, the argument today came from her having to do dishes or something two days in a row. And it's, it's, it's another one of those dumbass arguments that married couples get into. It's like 50 <laughs> yeah. minutes later, just like, man, why are, why did we waste this energy? But like I mentioned to you before uh, we got, uh, we got uh, started, I felt like arguing back. Like usually I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, whatever. Uh, this time I was like, <clears throat> not so fast. And so we had an argument. And so, and so, uh, I try to avoid those whenever possible, but they happen. And then you try to, you move on from them and you try to be a better person. I don't know, but I I don't know where this is going other than being married is extremely difficult. Yeah, it is. And it's every day's different. And, you know, us as guys is like, majority of the guys just are like, ah, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, just we're going to deal with it as it comes to us. You know, if your wife's anything like my wife, she's very detailed. She's very, my wife works very hard. She's a nurse. She's, uh, you know, she works harder than anybody I know. She cleans the house every day, but I, I'm the same way. I don't come from a traditional household. Like I do dishes every morning. Mm-hmm. I vacuum every day but my wife will come home and she'll vacuum as well. Like our house is the cleanest thing ever. Um, but that's just how we are, you know? Yeah. And it was never a precedent of like, you're doing dishes today. I'm doing dishes tomorrow. It's just like, if there's dishes in the dishwasher, do them. Like, yeah. it's just, if the dog needs to be fed, somebody just feed the dog. We just yeah. know. Um, and it, it, it 
pretty pretty smooth. I mean, there were some rocky times, like you know, going. I like organized chaos. She likes color coordinated closets and and you know pantries and stuff like that. So there's a little difference, but um, yeah, dude, being married, especially when you throw kids and you have three kids, I yeah. only have one, yeah. and it's still difficult to do. Uh, but it's just you you roll with the punches and and um, I don't know. Every day is different, though. It's like you never know what mood each of us is going to be in. So. <laughs> I, I, and I don't know about this, man. Like, I feel like in order, let's just let's talk about happiness for a second. What makes yeah? What makes people happy? Right. I feel like when it comes to women, there's a lot more check boxes that it takes to make a woman happy or your wife happy than it does to make a man happy. Like I think a men have two check boxes that, that, that need to be filled to, in, in order. And I'm not going to go into detail and in, into what those are, but I think you can guess of what they are. Yep. Men, men are very simple, basic creatures. Like in order for us to be happy, in order for us to get, be motivated to go do something, check, check those boxes. And more than likely it's just one of those boxes that needs to be checked. But like, on the other hand, man, I feel like, a woman's happy in order to make a woman happy. It's just like, you got to check this and then you got to check this and this has to be done too. And this, well, we can't forget about this. And then one a and one B of this and two a and two B of this. And and then this and this and this. And then I'm just like, by the end of the day, you're just exhausted. And, uh, and then your boxes still don't get checked. So, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe maybe you're like a counselor right now for me. That's what it is. It could be. It could be. But I, I agree with you, Dan. But also, like, I've had, I've had, uh, you know, after my wife and I might have a little bit of a spat or something like that. Yeah. I'd, I, I kind of have that discussion that thought to myself is like, man, what if I was like married to someone a lot like me? Like, yeah. because my wife and I are two totally different people. But like, if I was married to someone like me, I would hate it. I would absolutely hate it because it would just, I don't know. It just, we wouldn't jive well together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, I do things for a reason. She does things for a reason and it just works. Yeah. There's times where it's just kind of rough, but it's like, yeah. And majority, like you said, majority of it is like, you step back and you're like, why the hell did we just fight? Right. Why did we just exhaust ourselves and talking about who needs to take the dog out? You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. Such is life. And, and I was mentioning this on another podcast, like hunting, right? The outdoors and the things that we're truly passionate about, right? I'm not passionate about doing dishes. Uh, I'm not passionate about doing laundry. I'm passionate about deer hunting and bow hunting specifically. And, and really how little time in our life that we actually do get to commit to it compared to like being a father or being a husband or, you know, making sure that you're making money for your family and you're paying your bills and you're maintaining your house and you're going to your kids' events and, and all that stuff. It just, 
when you when you step back and look at it and you're not in it but you look at it like it just it just kind of goes to show you how insignificant like deer hunting actually is or, or or just this the craziness that we are all in how 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 i don't even know what the right word is is like how lackluster it is well it, my thing my question to you is yeah i agree with you and how how uh how how really it's not that big in the scope of things when you really step back and look at it but let me ask you this question what would you be doing right now if there was no such thing as hunting if there was no such thing as a podcast mm-hmm. if there's you'd be probably working your job that you were before that you probably didn't like right and your life would be you know you'd, you'd obviously pick up a new hot like a different hobby something would fill that void right but would it be as is is ingrained in us as it is like hunting you know what i mean like i just look at like if hunting did get taken away from us or something mm-hmm. i don't know what i'd fill that void with yeah um it, it it would it's wild but i don't know i maybe you wouldn't even be with your wife maybe you would be with someone else maybe you wouldn't <laughs> be with anybody you know what i mean you almost look at it like things right. like that like um i don't know it's just one of those things that i love that i get to talk deer and do deer things and hunting things every day like yesterday yeah. i went and scouted all day the day before i went and scouted all day yeah you know and the, the good thing is about working from home is i can kind of go and do that whenever i want as long as my stuff's done so yeah. all those little chores around the house yeah i don't like doing dishes at all but that gives me maybe an extra sit in the fall like hopefully yeah. she's keeping track of like the 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 honeydews that it's like i'm gonna go hunting now. oh do you guys you remember back in april when i was doing dishes every day and yeah you don't do you <laughs> no short-term memory loss short-term memory loss yeah okay um all right so we've pretty much talked about everything except hunting so far uh, uh let's let's procrastinate just for a little bit a little bit longer mushroom hunting though mushrooms like Dude, the, the temperatures here in the Midwest, uh, they say that a morel mushroom pops somewhere around this fifty magical fifty degree soil temperature. Are do you go out and look for morels? We do. Um, the thing, I have a caveat. I hate mushrooms. What? But I love hunting. I, I love hunting them. Okay. My wife loves morels, so mm-hmm. we'll go out as a family, and uh, I've got a family farm that's got um, a lot of good mushroom picking opportunities, mm-hmm. and. The, the cool thing about it is like turkey hunting, you'll like, you'll be sitting there waiting for a gobbler to come. You look over, you see a mushroom. And then it's like, almost like, oh, there's another one. There's another mm-hmm. one. Oh God, they're all. And then you got like three bags full of mushrooms. And it's like, I love hunting them, but I hate, I hate the smell of them. I hate the taste <laughs> of them. I hate this. Oh, I just hate them. Yeah. yeah I'm the opposite. Uh, I hate looking for them. Uh, you know what? I take that back. I do like looking for them, but usually it's like in the worst tick infested patch, you know, poison Ivy all over the place. And, uh, then when you, when you, you find them, but when you find those, that group, right, there's like 15 to 20 mushrooms in like a five foot area. That's the, that's the, the, the glory hole of (laughs) where do you find most years? uh like like location wise like like under because what what do they say like under dead elms elm or something, or something like, like that. that so so you know full disclosure here i probably can't point out what an elm tree looks like 
Okay. Yep. I could probably Same point here. out an oak and a maple. That's probably it. Anything other than that? Maybe a birch. That's it. Anything else? Don't know. Okay. Where do you find mushrooms? I would say uh, by dead trees or in places that have really good moisture, like in a, a low spot or in something that's like morning, sh- uh, you know, like uh, morning sun, afternoon shade, something like that. I, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, uh, if you saw that shed hunting video, uh, tutorial that I put out about how to shed hunt. That's how yep. I, that's how I mushroom hunt, go to a place where <laughs> mushrooms are and where mushrooms grow and then put your head down and then walk. So yeah, that's how, that's I how I, I approach it. I approach it. All right. Yep. Um, man, how many out of state trips do you take in a year? Um, boy, it's varied over the last couple of years. Last year, I didn't do one. It was the first time since 2011 that I didn't hunt out of state. Last year was the first year. Um, what, but why? Um, because for a couple things, well, before for 11 years, since 2011 till last or 2020, 2020, maybe 20 no 2021 was the last year i hunted out of state so until then i was working out of state too i filmed a lot of outdoor television shows and that's all i did was just travel out of mm-hmm. state out of state and hunt i would average probably hunting at least two two out of state hunts yeah but the thing is with me is like i still really love to hunt michigan and when i go out of state and hunt i feel like the my finger gets off the pulse of what my michigan farms are doing it's mm-hmm. kind of like an afterthought and uh the last time i shot a buck uh, in Michigan was 2016 at that point. And, uh, coming 2021 was the best year I ever had. Uh, I shot three bucks and one in Illinois, one in Ohio and one in Michigan. And I wanted to, that going into that year, I wanted to start consistently killing more better bucks in Michigan. So I really wanted to hone in on that. So 2021, I I kicked it off with a great 120 inch buck. And then coming into to last year, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on Michigan and really do nothing but like kind of put my mindset there and see what I can do. And I, I had an unbelievable year. I killed my arguably my biggest Michigan deer I've ever killed. And then I shot another like mid one teens buck um, on the 13th of October. And then the 21st of October, I shot a buck that was, uh, he scored in the low one thirties, but he had broken brows. He had broke his brows just where I shot him. And I figured with four inch brows, he's in the low one forties. So mm-hmm. that's the type of deer he is. Um, you know, and I kind of like now after that happened, those two years, like killing three really good deer, um, for the area and for what, I hate saying that for the area. I mean, let's be honest, like in all the years I've ever ran cameras in Michigan and all the stuff I've done, I've only had one buck in the one fifties ever on camera one. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a handful in the forties and then I'll, I'll get like a one thirty on camera just about, just about every year. Yeah. Um, so I'm killing like the top 10% that, the, that, uh, that is around. But, um, now after I've killed those three deer in two years, now it's like, okay, I, I feel like I checked that box. Like, let's, let's move on. So I haven't been to Kansas in, uh, since 2020. So I put in for Kansas year. I have a point I should draw. So I'm going to do Kansas and then I'm going to do another state, uh, this next year. So gotcha. Yeah. All right. 
talk to me about Kansas and what Kansas is all about because I also have a point and I also have applied to uh, to Kansas this year and this will be my first time ever hunting Kansas if I do draw. Okay, um, the tight the the Kansas hunting I've done has been in and around zone tw- uh, twelve, so you're looking at like south of Kansas City, like eastern mm-hmm. central eastern t- uh, zone. Um, not a lot of timber, a lot of, uh, a lot, of, I mean, there it's like blocky timber, uh, wooded fence rows, uh, seems like all the topography is, is long, like they're long hills. Like it, mm. it might take you a mile to get to the top of a hill. It seems like a lot of cattle ground, um, that that's a lot, of, a lot of cedar draws and stuff like that. That's what I'm used to with Kansas, not big timber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fun though. I love hunting Kansas just because I love to see deer and I love to see big deer do big deer things out in the middle of the open. Like, I don't know how many times I've seen like a mature buck just out in the middle of a CRP field. That's got cedars just, you know, ever so often in that. And you just see him just dogging this doe in the morning. Oh my gosh. I love it. I, I'm a firm believer in, in being able to hone in on an area that is not very big in um, uh, acreage, like a, maybe a timber section or something like that. That's an overlooked spot and going in there and kind of like riding a hole, if you will, and really trying to kill a deer in there. And it will happen. Kansas, in my opinion, all the states I've ever hunted, Kansas is the most as close to a guarantee as you can get, depending on what your standards are. Pope and Young is close to as guarantee as you can get, in my opinion. Yeah. And and so where would you – have you hunted Iowa before? Yep. And so compared to – like compare Iowa to to Kansas. Man, Dan, that's not even a comparison. I don't think – I've been – so I hunted Iowa one year, but I've also been there filming three other falls. So I've okay. technically been in – in Iowa for four falls um, and the things that I seen in Iowa and let's be honest. Okay. So the train is a lot of like where I was hunting um, in both, in both uh, states, but Iowa just has, first of all, when you just go across the border, it just has this nostalgia. Like mm-hmm. I'm here, mm-hmm. like it, it is the, it is the show, you know? And, you know, to me, to me, it's almost like they're two totally different deer in a way. Like to me, Iowa is like a Midwestern brute of a deer. Kansas to me is like almost still to me, like an Oklahoma deer, which is our big body deer, but they're almost like rolling bowling balls in a way. You know what I mean? They just, they got gnarly faces, white faces and just broken noses. And, and, uh, but Iowa man is to me, it's more of like, um, like, uh, it's gonna be really weird, Dan, but it's like romantic poetry to me. Yep. Like everything sense. is just kind of like, it's just kind of like flows. You know mm. what I mean? Kansas is more of like off the rails. We're down in the city in the, in the hood and it's just, it's getting wild. Okay. Like it's really weird analogy, but that's the way I look at it. Yeah. I've been to a couple hoods before. I felt very unsafe. <laughs> Uh, one time in Atlanta, Georgia, I decided to not, I felt so unsafe. I decided to, uh, run a, run a couple stop signs. So, so, so you're telling me that Kansas is going to be an unsafe place to, uh, to hunt. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. It, and, you know, the reason why I probably say that is because I've seen more buck fights and stuff like that on Kansas. Okay. It, it's just, I just see, I see more, uh, like just bucks doing like what you hear about on TV and you mm. see on TV and read. Like I just see more of that in Kansas. Yeah. Uh, Iowa is just something special. Like I would say, you know, obviously you live in Iowa. So like Iowa just has bigger deer as in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're big deer everywhere. Let's be honest. But yeah. I feel like I, you know, when, when I went to Iowa, the one year I did hunt Iowa myself that in six days, I saw six bucks over. I've seen six bucks over 140, two over 170, and different deer on one farm. And yeah. it was just ridiculous. And I killed yeah. that buck behind me is the one I killed. He was 186. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So you've been, you've been able to lay your eyes on a variety of different whitetails and, uh, throughout the country, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, and, and filming in a lot of these crazy places, like the biggest whitetail I ever witnessed within bow range was 198-inch deer in Kansas. Um, came to 30 yards. I was filming. The guy I was filming, He went to full, when he went to full draw, uh, his limb cracked on his bow. Big old pop. What? Yeah, yeah. It's It was wild. Um, and he went to full draw, and the deer was at alert. And the deer just kind of didn't really, he just heard something, didn't really like it, turned around and walked out of our life. And the guy was filming, he didn't want to shoot. He could have shot him chest on, but he knew he could feel it. You could hear the pop. I mean, you could hear it on the camera. It was just a loud pop. And the deer walked off and he let up and it got dark on us. We went back to the truck. Sure as crap, there was a, a crack all the way down the limb of that bow. And I've never seen a bow be helicoptered across a CRP field so far. <laughs> oh, it was like somebody getting ready to shot put, like circle, 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 poof. Oh over, my lord! You know, biggest deer yeah. of this so, dude's life, probably. Hundred percent. Well, him and I, he shot. I filmed him shoot a, a two hundred eight uh, mule deer in Alberta one year. Uh, spot and stock ground yeah. hunt was really freaking cool. But whitetail, biggest deer ever. Yeah. Well, you only get so many of those opportunities that, uh, you know, those, those types of animals and, and, uh, like I've been there before, man. You know, I, I actually, you know, like I, that shipwreck story I told on your podcast, man, when, yep. when I, I hit him high and you know, whatever factor you went, I mean, it was buck fever straight up, but I hit him a little high, couldn't, couldn't find him. There's been other times where I've drawn back and, and missed. I mean, I think it was man it was early on in my career uh i had a buck come straight down like he he i had my uh there was like three big pine trees and i had my ladder stand in the middle of tree and he instead of going around and following the trail he put his head down and he just bulldozed right through the pine trees and his one of his antlers actually hit the metal ladder portion of my ladder stand and i was at full draw and i came down to try to shoot him and i just shanked the shot and i i hit right uh yeah i hit right of him and then he jumped up and he sat up on the top of this hill perfectly skylined for I want to say five minutes just blowing at me. And then (laughs) (laughs) that was a kick in the nuts, but, uh, man, those, those things, those things happen. So Kansas though, uh, I, I look at Kansas like 
probably some people look at Iowa just because, you know, I, I live in Iowa. So I'm a product yeah. of the Iowa environment, so to speak. But when I think of another state that ha- that has a similar uh, gusto, and that would be my ver- my version would be Kansas. Uh, and so now I'm I'm just I'm getting excited. What what uh, it does rattling work when it's so wide open like that? Have you found any success rattling when you've been to Kansas? Hundred percent, dude. Oh my gosh, I love blind rattling. Yeah. I love it. I I probably rattle way too much to be honest with you. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, you do have to be cognizant of where you're sitting, where the wind's at, if a deer can get downwind of you, because it does happen. I mean, it's, it is wild. The, and the other thing I like about Kansas is too, is like, I've spent a lot of time in Kansas in the, in November and it seems like the rut does kick in a little bit later than usual. I mean, it's, it's a little farther South, you know, where I was, but, um, it does seem like, you know, around that 10th of November to the 15th, even to the 20th, like I killed a buck, um, and on December 5th with a gun in Kansas, I mean, absolutely dog in a doe. He was a five and a half year old, big frame chocolate rack deer came down off the hill and the CRP just dogging this doe. And I, to me, you know, grow up in Michigan, in my opinion, there's no second rut. Like, mm-hmm. When our gun season comes in November 15th, everything either gets shot or goes and holes up because there's so much pressure that happens. So I don't see like a deer or a doe ever coming into like another rut. So to me, when I go out to Kansas, I still have that kind of mindset. And it's like, eh, you know, we're going to get deer that are going to be coming to corn piles or corn fields or something like that. And um, no, that's not what happened. This doe comes out of nowhere and he's just hung out, hanging, just chasing her. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So. Um, but yeah, rattling does work, works on, I mean, you, you have the right mindset. Iowa and, and Kansas are very similar. And in, in my opinion, they're number one in two States, yeah. you know, and then, and then you go to like an Illinois or, uh, and then, you know, the, the those are the big three mm-hmm. to me, man, outside, you know, once I started hunting, out of state, I would go to, you know, I started in South Dakota and Nebraska, right? And basically that was for mule deer. But this will be my first year where I'm actually taking an official out-of-state hunt for whitetails. And so with all the time I've spent, I've just like, hey, I got it so good here in Iowa. And I talked, you know, a long time ago, I had that, uh, I had a uh, conversation with Mark on the Wired to Hunt podcast. He's like, why don't you go other places? I'm like, dude, I live in the best state for whitetails. Like, why would I want to go? Like, I don't know. Does that make a guy sound, I don't even know, like an asshole, I guess you would say, for for saying, I live in the best whitetail state. Why would I want to go to Michigan to hunt one 100-inch deer? Not at all, man, because I'd probably be in the same boat you are. If I mean, you get as a resident, you get two tags, and if you loan own land, you get a third tag. Mm -hmm. You know, so, like, you could kill three bucks there, and – you know, you do get pressure. You guys, I mean, I've seen, yeah. but your pressure is not like what it, it it is in a lot of other areas. I'm sure there's, there's pockets in Iowa that yeah. you pull up to public and there's probably six or seven trucks, you know, it yeah. is what it is. But, um, I don't think you sound like an asshole at all, man. I'd be reaping those benefits. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so I, I do have a question about Michigan. All right. I got a guy, um, who I just interviewed a couple weeks ago, and he 
he's like, dude, I, I love hunting in Michigan. I, I hunt private on a, in a neighborhood of like-minded individuals who, you know, there are definitely four-year-old deer in our neighborhood. Now, not as many as you got, but you know, every once in a while, you know, every year we have at least one four-year-old to chase across, you know, a variety of farms. We share intel with each other. The age structure is older because you have this communication. And then I have the other group of people who, that I've talked with who are just like, dude, I, the biggest deer I've ever seen is 120 or something like that. Right. And so I want to hear your opinion about Michigan whitetails and are, are people exaggerating when they say it's a shit state uh, or is, is it, is it actually a shit state? Not a shit state at okay. all. And, you know, I, I've got a couple different uh, views on this, I guess, you know, I grew up hunting private my whole life. I've got 218 acres that has a family farm. It's where I cut my teeth. I still hunt it to this day. Uh, the first time I ever set foot on public to hunt, was last year ever in any state mm -hmm. any i've never had to hunt public um i've scouted it always but just to have another option if i need it um but you know the public a lot of those guys that i think are saying that that's a shit state i think a majority of them are probably guys that like you know probably are public land guys now there are there's big deer that come out of michigan every year now it might just be like, what is a big deer to you? You know, that, that is forcing, like to me, a big deer is 130 inches. Now a giant deer is 150 or better. Like that's 150 inch deer doesn't come around in any state very often. Um, you know, I grew up hunting that family farm, 218 acres to this day, there's still me and 11 other guys that hunt it. So essentially it is kind of like public ground. Mm -hmm. I don't bitch and complain. We are killing our, the top tier bucks. We are trying to kill those and we might get a 125 every year, or every other year, we might get one or two showing up. And those deer are normally two and a half to three and a half years old. We don't get a lot of four-year-olds. They are around, but the four-year-olds four still aren't getting the 140 every time. All, I mean, you're going to throw an anomaly and, it's just the genetics are here, um, but with the the amount of pressure and the tags sold and all that stuff and gun seasons just I mean we have a gun season that's like 28 days long mm -hmm. and you can shoot a rifle so it's like that that's a that's a hard pill to swallow but um, I love it dude I absolutely love it but I will say it's something you got to to be successful in Michigan you have to you have to put in time mm -hmm. like. It, there's been times I've been out of state and, you know, go in the first sit like Ohio last year. I went in there first time, walked around, found some sign, hung a stand, killed a 170. That's probably not going to happen in Michigan. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't happen like that everywhere, but like that farm I was hunting, nobody else really hunted it either. The pressure was low. Like, I think just people just get, you know, the, they might only have 20 acres and they have a neighbor that's just like shoots everything. So it's like, Oh, there's just shit state. Cause yeah. you know, it just, it's easy to shit on it, but man, then move, go do something, yeah. go, go get a different piece of property. Like if, if, if this piece of property is not doing what you want it to do, go knock on doors, go hunt some public, go. The biggest deer I had on camera last year was on a piece of public North of my house. And 
I never went and hunted them because there was too much pressure. I'm not going to lie to you. 28 side-by-sides rolled in on September 25th, a couple days before I was going to go hunt. And they're rolling right through where I've been getting pictures of this deer. And I'm like, nope, that's it. I'm done. But I didn't go on a podcast and say, this land, this is shitty and yeah. everything. I just pivoted and went and did something else. Right. You right. know? Yeah, it's all a matter of perspective and, and what you're looking for. versus Like, it's crazy. You know, like, you said uh, you you went in and, uh, you know, went into a piece of public and shot a 170. I've definitely had an op- had opportunities at at 170s and i live in the greatest state in the in the country and i have yet to shoot a 160 so mm-hmm. you know um i don't know it's big deer like i just don't under i i don't think people realize how rare even a 150 i'm gonna i'm gonna go in say 155 i'd love to hear your opinion on this but i i think anything over 155 is a is a big deal in any state yeah yeah uh dan going to ohio or going to iowa that first year that year i went my goal was to shoot a 140 mm-hmm. at that time my biggest deer was like right around 130 mm-hmm. i wanted to kill like a 140 and that to me was a giant like yeah. i'm like and and don't get me wrong the last the 10 years leading up to that trip i was in and around big deer every fall i was just filming them so i got to see a lot of big deer and see big deer do th- you know big deer things and you know going into that the, the i remember the first night i get into the stand we did a hang and hunt got in the stand and looked over in the crp and this deer stands up and he's a 140 inch 10 pointer and he's at like 200 yards and i'm like come on over i'm gonna shoot you first night right here in iowa I had 10 days to hunt in Iowa. I was mm-hmm. going to shoot him first day. Yeah. And I'm like, and still to this day, man, like that 130 that I killed this year in Michigan, he scored 132. He grossed. I got so pickled drunk after I shot that deer <laughs> by, by myself. I spot and stalked that deer. I did a podcast on him and, and I had help from a local farmer. He drove by him and it was on his field. And I know him really well. And he's like, Hey man, there's a pretty big deer out here. And I didn't have permission to hunt it, but he owned it. And he's like, Can I, I was like, do you care if I go try to shoot him? He's like, yeah, go ahead. So if it wasn't for that farmer seeing that deer, I probably wouldn't have been able to shoot him. Yeah. But like, still, I went and spot and stalked him and shot him. And dude, you would have thought I shot a 200 inch deer, <laughs> you know, but it is so hard. In my opinion, it is so hard to kill a 130 in Michigan. I mean, I've been hunting 22 years and that's the first one I've ever killed in Michigan, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I, it's just pretty, it's pretty crazy. The, the different landscapes and, and the different deer, but to answer your question, a one fifty is a big deer to me still, no mm. matter where you go yeah. in Iowa is a big deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I hate how social media and, and, and TV and, and all that stuff has just made it look like it's this, this big measuring contest. And it's mm. like, you know, it's it, it, the 140s, it seems like, are just, oh, you shot a 140, must be a three-year-old. Actually, yep. no, that deer was seven and a half, and yeah. that's what I hate about it, man. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I'm going to go here, and I'm just going to ask you this question. Do you think money in any state can can buy bigger caliber of deer? 100%. 
in my opinion, yeah. There's guys that I see on YouTube and and you know, I don't want to name any names. There's a couple guys rolling through my head right now, but just from the Iowa standpoint of like, yeah, you buy a big enough track and you give it two, three years to manage it and not shooting deer on it. You you could I mean Nothing against Lee Lakoski, but look at what Lee does. I mean, he he works his ass off. I'm not going to take anything away from him. But that dude is passing 170s and 180s to get him to 200 or bigger. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's passing. The, and, like, he wouldn't have had that if he couldn't buy the land yeah. to have it, you know. So it, it definitely can buy bigger deer. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where that that whole kind of conversation tilts to. Right. You know, for me, you know, I got uh, I I made a phone call the other uh, week and I introduced myself to a guy who owned property next to the property that I hunt. And I just said, hey, man, I just want to let you know uh, um, I'm here. I, I wanted to ask him some questions about if he was having some problems with some dogs. And and he was like, well, I try not to shoot anything over. Uh, you know, anything under 160, I'm letting it go. You know, I'm just like, I'll be honest with you, I'm smoking it. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna shoot a 160 inch deer every single time it walks by my stand for the rest of my life, unless something happens, and then I can buy big chunk of land, manage it, and 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 then watch that age class get older, plan a shit ton of food so they don't, you know, they're not ever struggling for food, uh, plant thermal cover and blah, 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 and so on. And I, 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 people, they know about it, but I don't think they get it. Like all of the biggest deer killed, especially in a state like Iowa are coming, you know, there are exceptions. Don't get me wrong. There are exceptions where a guy on public hammers a 200 inch or whatever. But if you have a ton of land and time and, and, and the amount and the amount of money to spend on diesel fuel, if you have like hundreds of thousands of dollars for your budget, like I would love to know, like if you were to take, if you were to take uh price per inch or, what the what the cost per deer harvested is on your farm or on those farms like i bet you it's astronomical like 10 mm. to 20,000 dollars per per whitetail harvested I, I don't know that that blows my mind yeah and do you do you ever uh, cuz your farms are like permission farms right all permission yep other hunters yep. So there you... wildlife or uh agriculture animals like cows and horses running around on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, uh, I I'm guessing you probably don't get to do much land management that you probably have, you know, you could probably cut some shooting lanes and stuff like that mm -hmm. if you need, but, but like going in there and hinge cutting and stuff like that, you probably can't do that. So do you miss like that aspect of it at all? Do you ever find yourself like yearning for, to be able to do that? I mean, maybe a little bit, Ex so here's here's the thing on on the one farm let's just say this who, who i share with other hunters like why would i want to put a whole bunch of time and energy into planning a food plot or creating a bedding area when if i was on that farm i would instantly go take advantage of how those uh deer 
you know, take advantage of said uh, habitat improvement or or uh, uh, food plots or whatever. And yep. so by, by other people hunting there, I'm like, it's just not worth it. Now on this new farm, I might actually have the opportunity to do some cool things on it. But mm-hmm. on the other farms, like I just, you know, I, I make a lot of my moves based off of where they, where the other hunters are hunting and I flank their positions, quite frankly. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, they're, they're ladder stand hunters. I am not. And I think that gives me a huge advantage. And that's why I'm pulling bigger deer out of the, the, the same exact farm as them every single year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's just someday I want to get more involved. How on, on that family farm, do you guys do a lot of, of that habitat work? So, yeah, so we, w- this year we're, we've done food plots in the past and honestly, it's just like, it's been, it's, it's all big timber. Uh, it's got 65 acres of, of an alfalfa field, but other than that, the rest of it's all big timber. And, uh, we got two cedar swamps and we got a little bit of rolling topography. We got some oak ridges and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we're just a part of a square mile. That's all timber that other people hold better cover than us. They hold yeah. better thermal cover. We've got the destination food with the, with the alfalfa field, but we don't hold deer all year round. So our big plan of attack this year was just to put in more a variety of food, a diverse uh, uh, amount of food. And just to maybe hold deer a little bit more and maybe uh, maybe to get more does on the farm during the fall months. Um, we, we can't go in and do like a whole bunch of TSI because my, the, my family member that does own it is a logger. So mm. he will go in and do all the TSI himself and they will manage the timber that way but for us to go in and be like oh we're gonna make this 20 acres a bedding area and hinge cut a whole bunch of stuff or do hack and squirt or whatever we can't do that um but it it just scratches the itch just enough to be like oh we're we're putting in some food plots you know it that's basically what we're doing but you know we don't have aprs in our county but i've our our deer camp has always been an apr ever since i've been able to walk and hunt has been an APR. It's got to be four on one side or it's got to be an eight pointer bigger. That is what it is. And where, where it's good for us, that helps. But like we have a neighbor to, I won't say a certain direction, but we have a neighbor that is like their rule is if it's a six pointer better, you can kill it. So it's Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) it kind of, you know, that kind of sucks. We leave a, a, a six point go by that could be a, you know, could grow up one more year, goes across the fence and gets shot. And it's like, yeah. well, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind right. of thing. So, right. Yeah. All right. So name all the States that you've, you've hunted. Uh, personally hunted and killed in Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio. I feel like there's one more. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Favorite out of those. Michigan, Michigan. Okay, now take Michigan out of the equation. Favorite? Iowa. Iowa, okay. All right, now, um, Missouri, Ohio, you said Kansas. Uh, what was the other Illinois. In Illinois. Illinois. Out of Missouri, Ohio, well, out of Missouri, Ohio, and Illinois, if you were to pick a rut vacation, for those three states, where would you go? 
Illinois, hands down. Okay. What state yep. what state of the states that you mentioned has the best public land? As far as what? Like deer the hunting. most public land, deer hunting? Well, I would say, you know, the best public land. Be- I know, so I'm going to... Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to say this because I've never hunted the public outside of Michigan. Um, just from what I hear and what I see, boy, that's tough. I probably have to say, if it's between Missouri, Illinois, and Ohio, I would say Ohio. Okay. And, and so when you, when you do go to these out-of-state, on these out-of-state hunts, um, are you leasing? Is it permission? Is it like an outfitter? How, how are you doing it? So my Iowa is I have a good friend there that has an outfitter, and he just lets me come and stay with him. And he'll let me hunt a farm. Gotcha. You know, he'll, he'll let me, cause I only can draw every four or five years. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of gives me a farm and lets me stay with him. Illinois was the same, same way. I have a buddy that's an outfitter. He'll let me hunt a farm until I kill something. And then, you know, it is a farm that he would outfit on, but he just kind of lets me take that one. Gotcha. Um, Ohio was a lease and Illinois or Illinois said that Kansas was a lease, but now I'm going to go strictly public. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. Yep. Gotcha. I've never leased a piece of property before. Um, talk to us a little bit about the, the benefits and maybe some of the, the, the pros and the cons of leasing. Cons are the money, Yeah. (laughs) you know, leasing to hunt it, but the pros are the control you know, the control that you can have to, and if you can get a long-term lease, I mean, you can, you can let deer grow up, you know, you can, you can pick and choose. I will say though, there's times where you get a lease and it's like, we, you know, we've been told that this is the last year we're going to be on the lease. All right. Our standards are going to lower a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like the first one that comes by it's, you know, they might be 150, but the first one that comes by that's a 130 or 140. It's like, well, this is our last time on here. So we're going to shoot that, you know? Yeah. So, um, I would say the biggest, the biggest pro is the control of, you know, controlling the pressure on it, controlling what you do on it. What, um, in Kansas, the lease that we had was a big cattle ranch, cattle farm. So you can't really control that deer hate cattle. Mm -hmm. They, in my, in my opinion, they do not like to be around cattle. Um, so yeah, uh, control. And then the biggest downfall would be the money you got to put up to do it. So it's like kind of, double-edged sword in a way yeah um when you were leasing out of state did you ever have any problems with maybe the landowner or anybody else coming out on that property throughout the year uh let's say like mushroom hunters or or you know people just taking casual walks across the property when maybe and maybe you caught them on a cell camera or when you checked cameras uh when you, when you showed up to hunt, did you ever run into any issues like that? Um, Iowa. Yes. A lot of, uh, a lot of people hunting the lines, but getting over the line, Mm -hmm. you know, like coming on and, and, uh, for instance, when I was hunting that deer, I had a guy drive his pickup in the CRP twice at, at prime time, you know, and, Anywhere you hunt, doesn't matter the caliber of deer, they're just not going to tolerate that too much. So right. that was pretty upsetting. Um, was he doing that on purpose? He, so it was kind of weird. The lady, so the that farm, 
was actually not a farm that uh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. Right. So I spent so much time in Iowa with my buddy um, that runs the outfit. There's been this farm that was just the, the old gal, the old lady would never let her husband die, would never let anybody in there ever. And it just like, it, it was just a good transition farm. Um, and I befriended a farmer that leased the the farming rights from him and or from her and she could never get like or he could never get a crop off of it because there's so many deer on it so i kind of leveraged him a little bit to be like hey you know maybe go over there and just say you know these guys will lease it let let them in and and um so i can get a crop off here and kill some deer in a way he knew what we were doing and yeah he did it a couple times and finally she said yeah for five hundred dollars that lease was 500 bucks in 2019. And she, we had 1500, my buddy had 1500 bucks with him and he was just going to start low. And she, he's like, how's $500 sale? And she's like, yep, sounds good. And we're like, okay, can we get a receipt for that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, can we get that in writing? And um, so, yeah, so 500 bucks, it was, I want to say it was almost 300 acres that had been not touched oh, wow. and, for years. And it showed, I mean, it showed, I saw some big deer, but I, I want to say it was like her son-in-law or her relative or something years ago, he had permission on this farm. And I think he had just come back and he was like, Oh, I had permission years ago. So he was coming in and would drive to like this ground blind. We didn't know it was there, pull up right to the ground blind, walk in with his crossbow and, and just hunt for an hour and leave. But he was kind of screwing up my hunting, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and he was not supposed to be there. He didn't have permission then, but that's kind of how that, that rolled. But Kansas, it was more, that lease was more of like the cattle farmers in the spring. Um, they burnt our truck down one year doing a controlled burn. Um, not, um, didn't mean to, but the controlled burn got out of hand and, and golf, the truck gone. Um, <laughs> was where where their controlled burns they would they they were the type of people that would just like on the edge of a cedar patch would just like light crp and whatever went went like it was just like and you'd come back in the cedar pet like 30 acres of cedars would just be gone and it's like what so that was kind of an issue that's land um, management at its finest yeah that's yeah. guys that don't hunt and they're just cattle ranchers but yeah uh, Kansas, we did deal with some poaching, some pretty bad poaching. Because I mean, yeah. when you get in some of those remote areas, you're the 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 only people you see are the road graders and the mailman. Yeah, and it'd be easy to poach deer out there with a gun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that those are probably the only instances we ever really had. Yeah, yeah, poaching's uh poaching's a big one down where I live. I mean, every single year, I hear of uh, a giant getting poached off the road or, uh, n or near some of the farms that I have to hunt. And, uh, and it's usually the rumor mill is accurate, but there's no proof, right? So when, when the sheriff gets called or the DNR gets called, there's no proof and no one wants to rat on anybody anymore. Like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll rat a poacher out. Any if I, if I see something go down or hear something go down, I will instantly call like, uh, for example, when I when I busted a poacher the one year, it was November 7th, 
boom, right in the mm. middle of the temp, right in the timber. And I go, beep, boop, boop. Uh, yeah, I just heard a sh- gunshot. Uh, here's the location. Here's this, 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 this. Gave him all the information. He showed up. He, he crawled into this fence line. He watched a guy with a rifle pull this fork-horned buck out mm. of the timber, went back to where his tree stand was at, and there was a bait pile there too. So he got poached. He got busted for baiting. He got busted for shooting a deer without a tag. He got busted for shooting a deer with a rifle out of season, like all that stuff. And I smiled about it because like, I just do not de- – I, I don't handle poaching very no. well. So, yeah, so there's that. Um, so so this year is a, is a no-go, like no, no out-of-state hunts? No, last year was. I didn't okay. do it uh, 2022 was, but this year I'm putting in for Kansas. Like I said, I should. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Going to be doing my goal this year. Like I said, I've, I've never killed a public land buck. The one the 170 I killed in Ohio was a lease, but that was, um, like I said, it wasn't a lot of pressure on that lease or stuff. There was a couple other guys that hunted it, but I was the first one on there for that year. Um but my goal for this year is to kill my first public land deer. Like mm-hmm. I've never, I've, like I said, you know, growing up, we've always, Michigan has a ton of public land, but I've been kind of, uh, you know, kind of blessed and, and also like spoiled with just being able to have private land to do whatever I want on. And, yeah. and public land, not going to lie, like back when I was in high school and stuff like that, you never heard the word public land. Mm-hmm. Like nobody was ever, all my friends and everybody had their own piece of private that they were hunting. Yeah. So just never had to go pursue it, to be honest with you. Yeah. When I first started turkey hunting, this is no joke. One year, we went out turkey hunting. I, me and my two uncles, we went out. And this would have been in the early 2000s. And in a five day, in, in five days of hunting public land, we found three meth labs out in the woods. <laughs> in five days. No joke. Called them in. Yeah. At, like, it was weird. They had, like, all these these little devices hooked up to coolers and like a car battery and, and things like that. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, we better not touch this. Cause they're probably booby trapped or, you know, some dumb shit like that. So we called the sheriff. It's just smelled, it smelled really bad. And, and so, oh. and so that was, that was my first take of public land. So like public land was meant for, cooking meth (laughs) and that was it so uh yeah so there's that but um so okay i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you the same question again you're you're, you might be drawing kansas michigan and then anywhere else um there will be one other state i just don't know what i'm gonna do yet okay it's gonna be an over-the-counter it'll probably probably be either indiana ohio or illinois one of those one of those three Gotcha. Cool. Cool. Well, good luck, man. I I don't know. It'd be nice if we could meet up uh, in Kansas same time. Are you going to do, are you going to do public? Yeah. uh, So here's, here's my, my, my goal is my uncle has a farm there. Uh, Well, he doesn't own it, but he hunts on it. He hunts it with another guy. So if I draw, I might leverage my uncle to try to let me hunt that piece, that piece. But I'm not like, I'm, if he says no, I'm not going to be butthurt about it um, mm-hmm. because he, he hunts it with another guy and I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Uh, but if that other guy's like, yeah, cool, come, let him have it, let, you know, let him come here and, and hunt, then I'm going to go hunt that. 
Uh, if it doesn't fall through, I'll probably just uh, stay at my uncle's house and then hunt in hunt in the surrounding area on public. Or yeah, when or we walking. when we get off record, we'll kind of you'll send me all your spots, after. right? Yeah, hey, <laughs> you need some pins. It's public, so I mean, whoever wants to go can go. I guess. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's definitely if we're in the same area, I mean, let's definitely get you know get together or something. We're gonna we're going. I'm going with a group of buddies that have been going to the same same area for four years and we're leaving november we're actually going early we're going november 3rd i think we're leaving yeah and coming back on like the 12th or 13th i think gotcha gotcha cool so. cool well man i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and bs with me um i'm gonna go downstairs and i'm going to give my wife uh, what I call hug the hate out. So when we hate each other, I just hug her for so long. She gets, she'll instantly get angry, but then I'll just continue to hug her. And I say, hug out the hate. We're going to hug out all the hate <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to be good after this. And, and I so, love it. And so that's what I'm going to do. Hopefully the rest of your day goes well, man. And uh, I guess I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Sounds good, Dan. I appreciate it, man. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Hunt, Stan, and Vortex. Huge shout out to Aaron for taking time out of his day to hop on and uh, BS with me for a little bit. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to download and listen. Man, without you, this is not possible. So uh, please share the Nine Finger Chronicles with your friends and all your hunting buddies. Uh, I feel like the content that I put out along with all the other Sportsman's Empire, uh, you know, the Sportsman's Empire stuff that we do or the the content there is second to none man i'm very confident about that so go check it out on the sportsman's empire and what else man i think that's it good vibes in good vibes out and we'll talk to you next time